We've often said we ache for some people who can't seemingly get the past in the past. That war has already been fought, and the good news is that war has been won, and we need to claim it as victory and get down the road. The voice of Bill Gaither opening this week's edition of First Person. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Both Bill and Gloria will join me in just a moment talking about their start in songwriting and gospel music. Our hope with First Person is to introduce you to people who give a testimony of God's faithfulness as they give their lives to Him. We meet someone different every week who has a unique story to tell, but it always has just a little twist to it of how God prepares and uses individuals for His glory. If you haven't taken time to visit our website and explore the archive of past interviews, I hope you'll do that today. Just go online to firstpersoninterview.com and click on the archive button for the list of programs to choose from. That's firstpersoninterview.com. Also, while you're online, you'll see the calendar of upcoming guests who are scheduled in the weeks ahead. It's all at firstpersoninterview.com. Well, who hasn't sung a song which was written by Bill and Gloria Gaither? This husband and wife have had a tremendous impact on gospel music in so many different ways and in the process helped many other singers and songwriters. I had the chance to talk with Bill and Gloria on the phone recently, and I started by asking Gloria to tell the story of meeting Bill outside the principal's office when they were teachers. Well, actually, we went in the hallway, yes. Uh, (laughs) We had gone down to post our our attendance or something, yeah, and... um, I was a student at Anderson University, and their French teacher was out for uh, a time with um, cancer surgery, so they called a couple of students to see if they could fill her load as a French teacher, and Bill was teaching in the same high school in English, so we met in the hallway. You're right. (laughs) So, Bill, who made the first move? Was it love at first sight? No, not really. Uh, It... it (laughs) It was interest at first sight. I'm, I'm not very much on that theory about love at first sight. I think love is something that that, that, that happens. Uh, there was obviously a lot of interest. She was extremely pretty, and uh, and 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 she seemed to be very very bright. And my dad always encouraged me: uh, if you get serious about a girl, make sure that she's uh, pretty bright. I think he may he may have wanted uh, to make sure our kids uh, had a, at least uh, a fair chance in life. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, in all fairness, I think our our media attraction was that of more more of interest, and we went out several times and and had coffee and had lunch and uh, and I I encourage young kids to let friendships develop like mm-hmm. that and uh, and then. Uh, and that's a whole other radio show. Yeah, it, it really is, but it's, but it's very wise <laughs> advice. It, it certainly is. Uh, Gloria, what were your hopes and dreams uh, when you started out in married life? What, what were you two hoping for? Well, first of all, um, it, was, it was not a music marriage. I, I, I kid um, evangelists sometimes saying that they auditioned for a wife. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, was, I was really on a track to be a missionary to Africa. I had a sociology major and a French major uh, because many of the African uh, dialects have a French base. And um, and I also was an English major because I loved writing. So we really started talking about literature, um, poetry and literature. Bill was teaching English, and he had started out in music but had uh, gone back to college and majored in English. We both had English majors, and we were both interested in literature and politics. 
So uh, our conversations, you know, early on were about world affairs and and what was happening in the political scene at the time and and uh, literature, great poetry and and you know. Um, we both loved the Lord, and so it always, it, uh, you know, it ended up talking about, you know, what 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 our hopes were in that direction. Bill was directing a choir um, at the time. He his brother and sister had kind of gone their separate ways, and he had um, sung with them as a kid growing up. But he was directing a choir, and he was writing some songs that basically he was using the choir as guinea pigs on some of these songs. And I would make suggestions on the lyrics and, you know, why don't you use this phrase and how about that phrase? And so that sort of just happened on the side, and we would try the songs out on the choir, run them off on the mimeograph machine. Do you remember that? Oh, I remember them very well. <laughs> I still have blue fingers. <laughs> purple, purple ink and all. <laughs> so anyway, that's sort of how it started. And our, our writing interest was pretty, um, that was pretty basic from the beginning, but it was other people's writing. And, um, and when we were apart, I went home for the summer to work at Kellogg's in Battle Creek and, um, uh, and we wrote, I wrote poetry to him, or we wrote letters back and forth, and that was the beginning, I suppose, of our communicating on paper. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of an interesting development. Well, Bill, you still, you both are known as mentors and encouragers in many ways. You're still teaching in a way, aren't you? I will gladly take that title. Um, uh, we we just came off of a cruise up in Alaska with the homecoming people, and uh and uh, 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 on the cruise was Paul Westfall, who's a coach in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking a lot about the, the similarities between young athletes and young artists and the pitfalls. I mean, the, the possibilities and the pitfalls. And, uh, you know, I find, if I, I find myself on a week like last week where you got the entire week to put good stuff into people's uh, lives taken to every teachable moment I have and uh, uh, and to say you've been blessed with some talent. Now, now what are you going to do with it? Right, know? right. Well, uh, pick one of those early songs. Uh, Gloria, I'll let you do this first. Pick one of those early ones, Because He Lives or He Touched Me or There's Something About That Name. Tell me about uh, how that song came to be. Well, Something About That Name might be a good one because the... Um the reading, we, I've often been, been asked, are those real incidents or did you make that up? Uh, those were real incidents. Our, our little Suzanne um, had, uh, she was the child with the fever and she was, she tended to run a fever when she was, when she was sick and she had tonsillitis a lot and, and her fever would spike to, you know, really scary levels sometimes and, and, um, and you didn't know what to do except to just say the name of Jesus over her, and and her fever would break. And then the the dying saint was Bill's um, grandmother Hartwell, who was just the dearest person. And she was in a delirium for quite a while there at the end, sort of a quasi coma and and in and out of consciousness. And you know you expect sometimes when people are in that state that that what they dredge out may be totally out of character for the person. I mean, I've heard stories of people dredging, 
you know, profanity or things people in the family did would never dream they would say, and you just chalk that up to you know that they're they're not conscious, they're not in control. Mm-hmm. But when that happened to her and she was in and out of consciousness, she kept saying, "For he is so precious to me. For he is so precious." She'd sing that old hymn, um, and and. And we had talked about, you know, isn't that amazing that even when she gets down to the levels of her subconscious that's long lost, you know, any control, um, Jesus was there at the pit of it of it all. It was mm-hmm. at the base of her life, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of those incidents in that reading were actually things that we were living at the time as young couple with a little baby. And... Um, so the the song you know focused on saying the name of Jesus and the power in the name of Jesus, but the incidents in the reading were very real. Yeah, Bill, you know you can go the world over, and everybody knows songs like "He Touched Me." I, I talked to the some of the original members of the Imperials not long ago, and they talked about that song and what it meant to them. And that uh, that song is just uh, I don't know. There's something special about these music these these songs that you two have written. This music. Uh, we just came back from Europe uh, this uh, past spring, and uh, it's pretty amazing to to listen to seven or eight thousand Norwegians sing because he lives in their uh, in Norwegian, or wow. go to Hungary and and hear the same thing happen. Brazil, the same thing happened. They sing it back to you in port- Portuguese. Uh, there were some times on some of our songs that. Uh, their sound from the audience was so loud we just put our mics down and let them sing it (laughs) but that but there 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 is no higher compliment for a writer than that to happen not only in your own little hometown or county or state but uh around the world so yeah you're right Uh, that's pretty overwhelming Mm -hmm. Bill, one of your endearing qualities is your sense of humor. Now, I tell you what, I'm going to ask this of Gloria. Is that one of Bill's endearing qualities, his sense of humor? It really is. It's one of the things that attracted me to him in the beginning, I think, was his sense of humor. And and I always say sense of humor is a good indication of intellect. So he always always puts himself down as an intellect, but uh, I think his humor gives him away. And uh, Bill Gloria is so well known not only for the song she's written, but her thoughtful, deep reflections on Christian living. Of all of Gloria's songs, though, do you have a favorite? Well, of course, she has written most of the lyrics to our big songs. Uh, one of the songs I come back to, uh, I, I love the last two verses of the song, It Is Finished. The first two verses are about the historical uh, crucifixion. Of, of Christ and and uh, and uttering those words, but I love the last two verses because they are personal applications of people who have who have claimed Christ as their Savior and maybe have not gone to the point where they have claimed Him as Lord. And uh, I don't want to be putting words in Gloria's mouth here, but I but I I, I, I think this is pretty much the motivation. And I love the last two verses that says, Yet in my heart the battle was raging. Not all prisoners of war had come home. These were battlefields of my own making. I didn't know that the war had been won. Then I heard that the, heard that the king of the ages had fought all the battles for me, and victory was mine for the claiming. And now, praise his name, I am free. It is finished. The battle is over. It is finished. 
there'll be no more war. We've often said we ache for some people who can't seemingly get the past in the past. Uh, that war has already been fought, and the good news is uh, that war has been won, and we need to claim it as victory and get down the road. More with the Gaithers in just a moment, and we'll talk about the Gaither homecoming on First Person. When you join us next time on First Person, we'll mark the 20th anniversary of the fall of the Soviet Union. 20 years ago, I was in the Red Square when that flag was taken down. Some of the families there, they were so excited. Those kids, they would not remember who Khrushchev, Stalin, Lenin. That's who we want to reach out. Those who take faith seriously. The president of Russian Ministries, Sergei Rakuba, joins us next week on First Person. Bill and Gloria, both of you seem to be almost walking encyclopedias of Christian music. And uh, Bill, your your knowledge of, of quartets, I don't know where it stops. I mean, you've always loved the quartet, haven't you? Yeah, I have. In fact, uh, we just went down to Dallas a couple, three weeks ago. At uh, uh, a site, the church is still there, where in 1953 and 54, I went to a Today we'd call them a music camp, a three-week music camp of kids who loved harmonies. And in the 50s, if you'd say harmony, you're basically talking about four-part harmony. And uh, as a junior in high school, when I arrived in Dallas and saw 600 other kids who were just as strange as I was, <laughs> who, who loved to find the third in the triad, and then if you were real cool, you could do the sixth in the triad, <laughs> And then if you would get bluesy, you could find the flat threes and the flat sevens and make harmony and chords together. And that is really traced back to the early uh, uh, quartet radio days. I guess that's the reason I still love radio, because I learned to love this music. In fact, we wrote a song called, uh, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, For the Bible Told Me So, and I Heard It First. On the radio. On the radio, yep. (laughs) (laughs) So it goes back historically to radio days and and for a kid to try to figure out what did those people look like or what do they look like. And that's always been of interest to me. And how in the world did they pick up these new songs, sing out of a book, and then go sell their books to make a living? You know, they Mm -hmm. had to feed their families. Yeah. And uh, that's always been intriguing to me. And I, I really think if you trace down the original music in our, in our church culture in, in America, I think you'd have uh, you'd come down to two basic, uh, because the hymns, many of those came from Europe. And then, and then we started having our early hymn writers. Some would argue that Fanny Crosby was more of a gospel songwriter than a, you know, than a hymn writer. And, uh, uh, and in all fairness, that was original music. And I know when I get in this, these kind of statements, I always have somebody, a good critic listening out there who say, well, that wasn't actually the first, you know. But then I also think in America, black gospel is an original sound uh, that, that we can claim as, our, uh, as ours. Uh, and, and Chicago uh, is, is a good example of so many uh, black gospel greats coming out of that fine city. But then I think another authentic 
original sound would be that of what I call Southern Singing Convention. That, that most of it came out of Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, with the Vaughn Publishing Company, and out of that, out of Dallas, Texas. So, if you like to do a radio show on that one day, yeah, we boy, would take the would, whole time on that. But wouldn't uh, that be fun? I'd love to do that. enough to say uh, yes. Those days were very important to me. And today, our music is an amalgamation of all those things, all those influences. Yeah, I had somebody the other, the other day said, "What do you listen to?" And I said, "To everything." Yeah. And they said, well, "Wouldn't it be a danger? Wouldn't that be a danger of losing that original uh, music that God gave you in the first place?" I said, "I hate to tell you this, but that original music that you thought was just Gaither original." was a combination of all the sounds that had come into my mm-hmm. head up until that time. And <laughs> you know, we started writing when I was about 26, 27. So all the influences that come into my head, <clears throat> I poured those out. You know, So, uh, yeah, we are all composite of what we hear. Of all the successful things your lives has touched, the, the Gaither Homecoming has really struck a chord, the videos, the tours, the TV and radio. Where did the homecoming idea come from? I think it came from a good motive. I think it came out of a motive to honor some people who had gone before us and had paved, paved the way. I never, I never had the first clue that this would be as massive as it has become. I only did it because I, I really loved those people, and I wanted to honor them. And so we got around a piano and uh, to record one song, Where Could I Go But To The Lord?, that turned into about a three or four hour prayer and praise service, really, uh, uh, and it was just spontaneous stuff happening, spontaneous testimonies, and uh, and so I I put together that first video of about all we could guess, uh, gather from that was about fifty minutes worth of stuff, you know, good enough technically to use. I I never had an idea it would reach this far. Hmm. It's amazing. That was about 200 videos ago. I think part of the appeal is not only the music, but just the, the fellowship and the fun that you all seem to have, Gloria. It's very evident. It comes through very clearly. Well, the, it's really interesting. Somebody asked about that on, on, the, on the cruise last week in, to Alaska. And I said, you guys have so much fun. And I said, well, it's really nice because they like each other. You know, they really do like each other. And and in the homecoming um, circle, especially with our road crew, the groups that have traveled with us on weekends and stuff, um, there just isn't a sense of competition. They all help each other. When, last week, um, um, Sonia Isaacs had had a baby and, um, she couldn't sing, so Charlotte Ritchie just jumped in and sang her part, which is very difficult. She's an amazing singer, and those harmonies are very difficult. And she's that good, and she just <laughs> she sang her part the whole week. And you know, we had other people that were sick, or somebody's a piece of a group was gone, or wasn't able to go on that cruise, or what it, for whatever reason. And they really do help each other. They like each other, mm-hmm. and they. They can't wait to hang out, and uh, we all say we only do the homecoming just for breakfast. <laughs> it's family. I, I understand that. Uh, I know you can't tell the future, but what lies ahead in your plans? Gloria, I'll ask you that question. What lies ahead for you two? Well, we always kind of laugh when people say, what, what's your, what do you, where do you see yourself 10 years from now? And we <laughs> was like, well, we didn't have a plan from the beginning, so I don't know why we would get one now. <laughs> Uh, and then Bill was right. Everything we've done has has kind of spurred the next thing. 
Uh, our daughter says God's will for your life is to do the next thing, and mm-hmm. I think that pretty much sizes it up. Um, I don't know. The qu- answer to that question is I don't know. Hmm. Um, if if I had my druthers, I have a couple books I want to write before I quit breathing, and um, one is a memoir of sorts, uh, not in the typical sense, but um, a collection of people that have um, shaped me into the person that that I am becoming and have become. Um, there, you know, there are things like that we want to do. We we love hanging out with our grandkids. Or we have one that starts. Um, college this fall, and that just seems unbelievable. But <laughs> it always are, does, doesn't it? Yep. Eager to see him get on campus, and and uh, he's he's planning on political science and economics, and he's biting off a big chunk. So <laughs> we're we're real proud of him. Yep. And we've got one that that will be two on the Labor Day weekend. So we have quite a span of of children, and. Um, and that that is a big chunk of our lives, a big piece of our lives. We love that, but um, I don't know. We we people say, "Are you going to retire?" And we say, "And do what?" <laughs> <laughs> Bill, I, I have to assume you feel much the same way. Yeah, uh, you know, I just turned seventy-five, and somebody somebody asked me the other day about uh, something that would probably involve next four or five years. I said, you're asking a 75-year-old that, you know? <laughs> uh, and, but to be honest with you, we have things planned uh, a year and two two years ahead, and that's pretty much the way we've let, led our lives up until now. And, uh, and I, I think it's a pretty wise way uh, uh, to go. We just finished a, a wonderful taping at the Billy Graham Library with the uh, Cliff and uh, Bev mm-hmm. and Billy himself, who went to the house and, and got him on tape, and Franklin was there. And, uh, you know, I, I find myself saying, uh, would you have thought that we'd have been doing this about the fifth or sixth uh, taping we have done with the Graham organization? I would have said no. I mean, not in my lifetime, but. Uh, to have those opportunities that keep coming up uh, are pretty amazing to be with, you know, incredible men of and women of God who have, have made such a contribution. That's pretty amazing, and we consider ourselves blessed. It was a great treat to talk to Bill and Gloria Gaither as they look back over a long and fruitful career in gospel music and look ahead to how they can continue to contribute. By the way, the Gaither Homecoming Bible will be available sometime next year from Thomas Nelson, so watch for its release in the summer of 2012. We'll put more information at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. If you joined us late in today's program, you can go online and listen to the entire interview right on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Just click on the Listen button. Or as you have time, take a few moments and look over the list of previous interviews, which are all available for online listening in the archive at firstpersoninterview.com. And to make it as easy as possible to hear First Person every week when it's convenient for you, it's available as a podcast on iTunes and other sources. You can even subscribe to receive it automatically to your computer and MP3 player every week at no charge. Look for First Person with Wayne Shepherd on iTunes. Well, next week we'll meet a man from the former Soviet Union who has a heart to train young evangelical leaders and equip the church in Russia through Project Hope. 
We'll meet Sergei Rakuba, president of Russian Ministries, and observe the 20th anniversary of the fall of the Soviet Union. Now with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next week for First Person. Thank you.